Proverbs, the, well, we'll be in a lot of different references tonight. So we're looking at daily decisions for grace-based living, the book of Proverbs, filled with wisdom, filled with instruction for how we can make the right choices to live in a very practical way. So we've talked about some interesting topics. We talked about communication. We talked about relationships. We spoke about the Word of God. We spoke about wisdom in general, and there was one or two others that are slipping my mind right there, right now. But we spoke about a few of these things, and tonight the topic is peace. Choose peace from the book of Proverbs. So let's look at the first couple of passages this evening, and we'll just kind of work our way through some concepts here. So, choose peace. Proverbs 15, and take a look at verse number 18. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. How many of you have some friends or relatives that... They just have that, they like to stir the pot. You know what I'm talking about? That's, that, here, a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Interesting that this is repeated again in chapter 29 and in verse number 22. So in, in 1518, it says, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. And now, in 2922, it says, An angry man, there it is again, stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. So this is the idea that peace is the way to happy life and strife and conflict is the way this is not real rocket science right like this is where you're like oh i came to bible study tonight and learned that the way of peace is better than the way of strife but have you found that you and i sometimes have some ingrained habits or behaviors that sometimes cause that strife yes or no yeah for sure. Let's pray. We'll ask God to help us tonight as we study this. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you for the word of God. I pray that you'd help us to be attentive tonight. I pray that uh, you'd help the scriptures to speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. What, um, how would you describe, as we think about peace versus anger in our lives, what immediately came to your mind when you're like, oh, we're talking about peace? What are, where, where, where do you go when you think about a life of peace versus a life of wrath, anger, stirring up strife? Maybe you thought, when I said peace, you thought, yes, a remote cabin in the woods away from all people, then I would be at peace. <laughs> there. It's interesting because... You get two people together, and there's always the potential for conflict. And you get more than two people together, and there's even greater. It's just exponential potential for conflict. 
What else comes to mind when you think peace? Yes, Mike. <laughs> Nuns and monks. That's true. And isn't it interesting? It, looking at the monastic life or monasticism, what is, what is, and there's actually, well, I'll save that for a second. What is their solution for peace? Yeah, detachment and isolation and seclusion. Well, sure, that, is, that, is that peace or is that escape, right? In fact, there's a monastery in just over, um, where, where were you saying? Tiringham? There's one closer up in, over the, you know where Equinox Mountain is in Manchester? So you go up and over Equinox Mountain in Manchester, and there's a special order of monks that live there, and it is literally a permanent vow of silence, like for super long. They barely communicate at all. So you're right. Very few people, but some people, they choose the monastic life, um, which is actually contrary to scriptures because the scriptures say we are to be in the world, whereas monasticism is a retreat from the world. But we don't always, we don't always, we might not become monks or whatever, but how many of you found sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm just going to keep to myself. Everything will be better if I just keep to myself. So we can fall into that trap too. Now, sometimes you need to pull away to get a little peace so you can re-engage in a peaceful way. What else comes to mind when you think about peace? You only get one at a time, and then we got to let somebody else go in between. So, but I don't see any other hands. So I'm going to wait, circling around again. Frank. Yeah, so you're there too. Okay, That's, we've got a theme going on. What were you going to say? Yeah, okay. So so, that, so places in nature, etc. Awesome. That's a, that's a really good point. So people are looking to maybe, I'm just going to binge watch my favorite show, and it will just let me escape from all of it. Now, in its proper place, it can be an escape, some entertainment, but it can also become addictive, right? Yeah, Frank. Yeah, yeah, and music, music actually is a way, but, but actually music is a gift of God to bring peace. So, so long as it's the right kind of music, uh, music can bring peace into our, into our soul and into our mind. Sure. Any other thoughts on, on peace? Sure. All these things. What about anger? I gave a, a little definition of anger here. And think of this. If you'd like to fill in the blanks tonight, we're on the inside of the handout. If you'd like to get all these filled out. Anger, anger, which obviously the opposite of peace, anger is allowing unpleasant circumstances to disturb God's peace in my life. It's kind of like at my dad's house. He lives up on, most of you know, he lives up in Reedsboro in the mountains. And you could have, it's very, it can be very, very peaceful. Except you can be out there enjoying the peacefulness on the porch. And all of a sudden, 
seven or eight motorcycles with Connecticut license plates just rev their way up that. And that disturbs my dad's peace at that moment. It may even disturb it so much as to those unpleasant, that unpleasant circumstance to disturb the peace in his life. It would mine, for sure. But in a more, in a more, or in a less humorous illustration, or a less humorous application, there are circumstances in our life and how we, we cannot choose the circumstances that come in, correct? We have no power over what other people do to us. We do have a choice in how we respond. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us in our response. So, profile of an angry person. We looked at those we looked at those, those verses earlier, comparing the way of peace with the way of anger. Let's ask ourselves this question. Good question to ask in our marriage, in our workplace. Do I stir things up or settle them down? Jesus said, blessed are the, the peace, yeah, peacemakers. Peacekeepers are the, uh, the um, like, uh, UN soldiers, right? They haven't done a very good job. They don't do a very good job at keeping the peace either. But blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do I stir things up, or do I settle them down? I love this quote. Author is unknown. But this, this I kind of memorized this one, and it, I go back to it. A carnal person, a person that's living in the flesh, will make a big issue out of a small problem. Right? Well, I didn't like this, and the next thing you know, we're just totally off the rails. A carnal person takes, makes a big issue out of a small problem, but a spiritual person can take a big problem and make it small. So ask, let's ask ourselves, in the situations that we face, are we good at taking the big problems and, and really settling them down? Or are we good at taking a small little problem and making a big deal about it? I had a funny one today. I had to catch myself today. I almost fell into this trap. I had a long day, and I'm on my way back. I'm driving from Springfield up, I went the back way, the peaceful drive through uh, up Route 9, and I got into just past Williamsburg, there's that little town, Haydenville maybe, and I'm in, there's a Dunkin' Donuts there. And I pull into the Dunkin' Donuts, and I get ready to, and I'm going to make my order, okay? So I said, I would like, what would we like? I would like an iced latte, whole milk, two sugars. And I, I hadn't really anything. Is it, and I would like a whole grain bagel, a whole grain bagel toasted with light butter. Everybody got my order? You got it? So the young man responds and he says, I'm sorry, we don't have whole wheat bagels. He's like, hmm. He says, maybe you were thinking of a sesame seed bagel. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I, I said, to, I said, you don't have whole, no, we don't have whole wheat bagels. I'm thinking of all the times I've eaten this before. And so I said, okay, what kind of bagels do you have? And he said, um, 
Uh, no, I said I'd like a whole grain bagel. That's what I said. I want a whole grain bagel. We don't have whole grain bagels. Uh, and I said, well, what kind of bagels do you have? We have cinnamon raisin, multi-grain bagels. We have, and I said, I'm just like, I would like a multi-grain bagel. And then right now, I'm just like, I cannot believe this, right? So, all right. Then he said, okay, so that's a medium latte and a multi-bagel sausage and egg. No. No, that was a multi-grain bagel with butter, white butter. He's like, oh, oh, okay, I got it. And then I said, could you read it back to me? Could you read it back to me? And he says, okay, I have a medium latte with whole milk, two sugars, and a toasted multi-grain bagel with butter. And I said, no, light butter, because this is my fourth time through it. And then all of a sudden it dawned upon me that this, I just smiled, because I was like this close to being like exasperated. And, and you're like, you know, you're all like looking at me judgmentally, like, well, you're kind of, it's like, but you go, you work all day, and you put your order in, and we'll see how you do. But I've realized in the moment, I, this is one of those little issues. This is a little problem. And he probably just got out of his 10th grade class or 11th grade class and was coming to work his job. So we got there, we smiled, we got the order. And do you know what I got? Got exactly what I hoped for. It all worked out. And if I didn't, that would be OK, too. Right? But do we, do we have, if I asked you, what drives you nuts? What little thing? drives you nuts. Now, you take that and you put it into a marriage. What little thing? Or we look at our kids. What little thing? So are we pursuing the way of peace or do we stir things up? So let me give you quickly in the time that's left four principles from the book of Proverbs, four principles from the book of Proverbs for becoming a person of peace. And you're like, after that story, Ethan, you better be teaching yourself this, all right? Four principles for becoming a person of peace. Number one, what we need to do is learn to let go, learn to let go of personal offenses. Learn to let go of personal offenses. That's hard, right? You know? Take practice. People say things about you or to you. And what do we do? We remember, right? And we hang on to it. Somebody does something or the behavior, or maybe they're a little bit unfair in their dealings, right? Oh, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. How many of you had one of those people, I'll pay you back? and it's been 15 years, and you're still waiting for them to pay you back for that. You know what I'm talking about? So now we're not talking about allowing people to break the law or to abuse or anything like that. We're talking about what Jesus says. If somebody does what? Hits you on the cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. Now, I don't think Jesus was saying if somebody pummels you that you stand there and just you know, allow yourself to be abused, but the idea in the day was it would be a terrible insult for somebody to come up and up you across the face. And Jesus says, if that's the way of Christ, the way of peace, 
is to take the offense. Take the offense. Learn to let go of personal offenses. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 19. I've got two scriptures here. 19.11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory. It is his glory to, what's it say? To pass over a transgression. It's his glory to pass over it. What does that mean? Yeah. It really means it's a glorious thing if you can say, if you can say, you know what? They did that thing that was wrong, but I'm just going to pass over this. Proverbs 12, 16. Again, this isn't talking about, there are some people, they need to be confronted. I understand that. But you know, you know what things. It's like, I need to learn to let that go. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's wrath is presently known. What does that statement mean? What do you think that means? A fool's wrath is presently known. Raging? Yeah. What, what else? What, is it, what else does it mean? Immediate. What's immediate? Right. Without, the second that person is offended, it is just instant reaction. You know exactly how they feel. That it could come out in vulgarity, it could come out in violence, could come out, and it says that's a, basically the Bible says, if you allow me to paraphrase, that's a really dumb way to behave. A fool's wrath. It's a foolish way to behave. It's to just burst out in anger. But a prudent man covereth shame. It's the same as that statement, he passes over a transgression. We need to learn to let go of personal offenses. I think one of the biggest ways, like, well, I don't know, maybe you can get, give some examples of things that maybe you've learned that you used to struggle with that, but you let it go. I'll give you one for me. I, I learned at one point that this statement, it's only money. It's only money. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you feel like, like, I know people that the, the, if the, check is not split, like down to the tenth of a cent, right? They're just like, oh, well, we need to get this right. We need to settle this up. I think with our money, it's an easy way to say, you know what? The, you're dealing with your mechanic. You're dealing with uh, some contractor. And you feel like, you know what? I think I was a little bit overcharged on that. Now, there's a point where maybe, yes, maybe you do need to have the conversation. But if you can't come to terms, Sometimes I've asked myself the question, which is more important? Is it more important that I have a good testimony with this person so that I can have an impact on them later or that I get my $50 that I think is owed to me? You know what I mean? I think there's a balance there, obviously, but this is what the Scripture's talking about. It's talking about real-life situations. You know, and I've seen Christians get in arguments with people over a bill, like, Knock down, not physically, but just argue over 50 or $60. I think that's something that it's not willing to lose our testimony over. Wouldn't you agree? It's just not worth it. It's only money. God owns all the money anyway. He'll take care of it. What else? What are some other things that we can say, you know what? We just need to, there are some things we can just let them go. Anything? All right, then, let's move right along to number two. Number two. So number one, learn to let go 
personal offenses. Number two, avoid angry people. <laughs> Not always that easy. I understand. But look at what the scriptures say. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Make no, what's it say? Friendship. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. It's an interesting warning, right? That, that even the, the, if we choose, now again, you can't completely avoid angry people, like Jim's saying, but the, in our choices, and that's what we're talking about, who we tend to associate with, there may be some people that we just need to say, you know what? Like, this is a person that, there's the pot, they're just going to stir it. Or they're an angry person, and I just, I don't want to have a part of that. Or I don't want to be associated with that. Right? Any thoughts on that? Uh, avoid, yes. Women. <laughs> avoid angry men and women. All right. That's very true. Any other comments on that? Yeah, that's a convenient, a convenient spiritualization, right? Well, I am righteously angry about you cutting in front of me at the potluck, right? Or so, you know, but the, like misapplication of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what were you gonna say? Okay. That's, yeah. That's the trap, the snare. That is very insightful because you see that. Like, now, well, I can't be friends with her because she and her are at odds with each other, or I can't be seen with this person, or I can't go to that relative's house because of what this relative is. I mean, we live in these worlds, right? Like, these are things that affect people. And sometimes we just have to detach ourselves from that and say, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind to who I'm going to be kind to. And if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry. You're still my friend, but they're still my friend. I, or picking up other people's arguments, picking up other people's fights. That's Got a lot of people into trouble. Happens in the workplace too, right? People do foolish things. I, I, I remember years ago, I was in a workplace where somebody got fired and like all these people around them quit their jobs. They walked off. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, what are you thinking? But they did exactly what you said. They, they picked up somebody else's offense. And then those people came back and they're like, oh, we made a bad decision. And what do you think the boss said? You made your decision. You're not coming back. That's the trap. You know, friendship with angry people. Avoid them. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? Yes.
Yeah. So, so, so if I can, excuse me, but so if I'm understanding, you learn how to do something, people interfere with the work, and there's a guy that just loses it every time somebody does that. Yeah, so there's people like that in the workplace, and, and then they'll, you're trained, like you said, you're oriented, and other people come along and they're like, well, I'll teach you the real way to behave around here. Everybody, every workplace has got that kind of subculture as well. Any other quick thoughts before we move on? Because we all get angry. It's not right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Numero. Oh. Oh. Mike might get angry if I pass over him. Oh, he was angry. He was angry because, because it was a righteous anger that we're talking about an unrighteous anger. That's kind of the underlying, like that's the, the, the kind of the, the given of the lesson, an unrighteous anger. But sometimes the scriptures do talk about a righteous anger. That's just, it's just like, for instance, Mike, if somebody seriously injures your friend or family member, you should be angry. You should be. If you're not angry, then you don't love that person, right? And it's just like if somebody is, because people twist this, and let's say there's a, there's a child that's abused, to use the worst possible scenario. There's a child who's abused. And people say, oh, well, you know, Jesus said we need to forgive that person. Well, no. Jesus said that if you offend a child, it would be better if a millstone were tied around your neck and you'd be thrown in the depths of the sea. That's what Jesus said about that. So there are things we're supposed to be angry against. And so that person should be prosecuted, imprisoned, and put away, right? So, and that's a just, righteous anger. We're talking about the turning the other cheek. We're talking about personal offenses. Somebody didn't treat me how they, you know, they're behaving just like I behave sometimes. So we're, we're, there's, there's differences between those. And so when Jesus turns over the tables, they have taken, people who knew better, have taken God's sacred, sacred place and they've profaned it. And what Jesus did is far, it's, it's nothing compared to God's ultimate wrath against that. So, anyway, that was a good question. What were you going to say, Carl?
Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Okay. You ready? So we are continuing our Spanish theme tonight as you started it. Numero tres. Oh, there you go. You got it. Here we go. Develop self-control. Really has kind of gone along with everything that we've said. But there's some interesting proverbs about this. And some of these are good to memorize. Like if you struggle with any of these particular areas, some of these that I've memorized them over the years, or at least I, I may not have it word for word, but I know the concept of the verse. And this, is, this, this one always gets me. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Now, we don't have walls around our city, or even our country for that matter. Anyway, moving right along. The, if, if a, see what I did there? All right, so a city in that day, why did a city have walls? Protection. Keep people out. Um, to keep people safe inside. So what is it saying? If you have no rule over your spirit, anything comes and goes. Anything. There should be a hedge of spiritual protection around our spirit. Where we're like, you know what? But anger and lack of self-control, it opens us up. How many of you have, you, you just know this, how many of you have done things you wish you hadn't done when you were angry? Right? Like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And it's scary sometimes. So we need to practice self-control. Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Boy, it's a strength in restraint. That's what I think of when I think of that statement. It's a strength to have restraint. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh a city. Again, it's using, you know, not many of us know someone who's gone and conquered a city, but that was the custom of the day. If you were a mighty warrior, you'd go out and you'd take a city. And, and you'd have accolades and you'd be, you'd be, wow, you are so powerful. In our day, it would be more like you started a business. You built an empire economically. And, G, and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit here in Proverbs, says, it's better to have self-control than powerful accomplishments. Any thoughts on self-control before we move to the final one? I would say there are things in our lives that help us practice, and we can do this with our children, too. You know, I think one of the reasons, one of the dangers with young children, I think, is things like unrestrained entertainment. It programs them to not have self-control. So if they're always on an iPad, always on a video game, always on a TV, what are they doing? They're just used to no self-control. Or if they, so there's little habits, I think, in raising children where if they, uh, if we teach them, they have to eat all the food, on, all old school stuff, right? That has been lost in our culture. You eat all the food on your plate. You clean up after yourself. You make your bed. You have chores. You only get 30 minutes of television or an hour of video games, whatever it is. What are those? Now, you're like, well, those aren't spiritual laws. I understand. But what do they teach? 
they teach self-control. It shouldn't surprise us that a child, a little boy who at three years old, four years old, up till he's 10 years old, just watches entertainment constantly, it shouldn't surprise us that that child as a teenager develops a pornography addiction. Because what have we programmed them to do? No self-control. I think these things are related. Kind of a little off topic, I chased a rabbit. Right. Right. And then sometimes those children do act out in anger. They lash out. That's what happens because a lack of self-control leads to selfishness, which means my needs need to be met now. And they act out in violence and anger. You know, it's, it's, there's different, these are complicated issues, so I'm kind of giving like a simplification. We only have three minutes to talk about it, but it's a seed thought, you know, that training and building self-control in our lives, and even as adults, we have areas of our life that, are, that we need self-control, where we, I find myself, you know, you talk about kids and their addictions to technology. You know, how many of us adults, you know, get addicted to our technology? So... On the field? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, though. Like, and I'm guilty of it, you know, reaching for it, looking at it, and my wife gets after me on it, and she should. She should. But when you give in, the danger is one area of lack of self-control leads to another. And scripture talks a lot about having that rule over ourselves. All right. The fourth. He believes. I'm so angry he contradicted my point there. I'm just gonna How dare he do that to me? I agree, hundred percent. Well it's interesting too because in what you find in the book of Proverbs, so I agree both. Like self control does work though. It's a it's a principle of life, right? That that you can develop self control. As Christians, we have the ability of the spirit now to control us, spirit control. So you're right. Spirit control beats self-control every time. With children, though, our young children, this is why it does say the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So think of it this way. I know people in their parenting, they'll, they, they'll get very spiritual about it, right? And they'll want little Johnny to allow the Holy Spirit to control their life and all that. But little Johnny is four and a half years old. He doesn't understand the Holy Spirit. He just needs to learn good old-fashioned self-control. And what that does is it puts him in a place where the Holy Spirit can then speak to him and learn. So I think it's both. There is the just the traditional self-control that is, it's biblical here. But then if it stays there, we're spiritually immature. 
and we're doing like my dad said, then we're just behaving like a carnal person can have self-control. But now you take that and you say, Holy Spirit, you control me. It's awesome. Right? It's a power. You say, I have no, I have no self-control. I need, I need you, Spirit. All right. Last one. <laughs> Did you see this? Last one has three subpoints. That's a trick. That's how you do a seven-point message with just four points. All right. So here you go. Practice patience. Practice patience. He that is slow to wrath is of a great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. This one for me is sometimes like if you if you have a it's our flesh is weak, right? For me, it's. After, you know, I work a long day, I drive an hour and a half to get home, and ask my wife, ask my kids, it happened just the other day, I just, huh? Well, yeah, but it's, it shouldn't be an excuse, right? But what happens is, when you're physically weak, sometimes, yeah, are you really controlled by the Spirit, or are you just depending on your own self-control? And so you get there, one thing is not exactly how you want it, and you know what? And then you get an attitude, and you make comments, and you get angry, or at least I do. Just being real with you. Just it's the way I am, and it's not good. So sometimes I've learned, and I need to do this more, is just get home and just take a few minutes to just reset. It will help. You know, there's sometimes there's just practical things we can do to be patient. So you know what? I'm going to slow down. The blanks here, think first. I'm so glad Deborah is with the kids right now downstairs because I just, I violated all three of these just, just yesterday. And it's not good, right? This is, this is the real world in which we live. Now, we didn't have any, I'm not saying we had some knockdown, drag out fight or anything like that, but just real. It's a real struggle to say, you know what? I should have just stopped and thought that through. Let the Holy Spirit. And then number two, hold your tongue. And finally, answer softly. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Learning, practicing patience helps us become people of peace. There might have been three subpoints, but I did it in record time, so you should all be happy. But ask yourself the question: Am I? You say, Am I a person of peace? Do I take little issues and make a big deal of them or through this holy spirit can i take a big issue and really get that thing under control if you do that you'd be a peacemaker peacemaker at home peacemaker in the church peacemaker at work and jesus said you're a blessed person if you be that peacemaker amen amen let's pray Lord, we are thankful that we have your word to guide us. And Lord, we are weak in the flesh. So please help us to be led by your spirit, to be filled with your spirit. Make us people of peace in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 
We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.